I'm your host, Vic Choksi, and this is Victory Lab. The premise behind Victory Lap is simple. It's to have on luminaries from the sports, entertainment, and media worlds to talk about their journey, and most notably, one victory that helped them reach their goal. On today's episode, I speak with Mirren Fader, a feature writer for Bleacher Report. Mirren's one of my favorite long-form writers, but more importantly, she has a terrific journey, which I'm sure you guys will all enjoy. Mirren, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. First and foremost, how are you doing during these crazy times? I'm good. I'm good. I'm trying to just feel gratitude you know when everything falls apart that's when you have to like really lean on like okay well what do I have what am I thankful for and honestly that's getting me through all of this that's a really good way to look at it trying to make the best of it right you know let's talk about you and your journey to start we'll take it way way back you know when did you know you wanted to be a writer is that something you thought of when you were growing up it's so weird I never thought of myself as a writer but I've written my whole life like when I was a kid in elementary school was like the thing that I did to feel better and to be there for me. And it started when I started playing basketball and I just fell in love with basketball instantly and I wanted to write about it. So these two things have always kind of gone hand in hand, but I never thought like, Oh, I want to be a writer. You know, I wanted to be a basketball player. (laughs) I wanted to be in the WNBA. Like I had the sparks. I saw every sparks game. I saw every Lakers game because I'm from LA. There was just one difficult part though is that I am five feet tall. And so (laughs) I pushed basketball as far as it could go. I I played all my life, high school, AAU, really competitive, first year of college. But after that first year in college, that's when I thought like, okay, I should be a writer because my basketball dream just wasn't going where I wanted it to. And, um, you know, I had poured my whole life into being an athlete. But once I started writing about sports, it just really took me away from my own story. And I got into other athletes stories. And that's when I was like, okay, I think I should do this. You started as a high school sports writer, correct? Yeah. I think it was the best thing for me. You know, I started out at the Orange County Register and I pitched so many features and I think a lot of people dismiss high school and, oh, you know, it's not a pro beat, it's not this. Well, you can really, really get better when you're doing high school and that's what it did for me. It just, you know, you can make mistakes, you can try things, take risks you know, really just practice your interviewing, you know, when you're in the high school beat, you're talking to so many parents, so many coaches, and you're just out there in the field on on the on your grind. And I just really credit that to me being able to practice my craft. You know, I did that for four years. You know, that's a long time when you're a young kid wanting to advance. And sure, I did some college sports and local colleges and junior colleges. But when you're on the high school beat for that long and you see your friends, you know, covering the Lakers and the Clippers, you start to ask yourself, well, like, why am I not there? But I really think that I needed that to be my path. And I think young people have interesting things to say. You know, at Bleacher Now, I still cover high school athletes. I think they're interesting. So if anyone's out there covering high school, know that it's, it's really the best thing for you. It's a badge of honor. That's terrific advice. And I've read your Jalen Green, you know, a lot of your high school profile pieces, and they're great. Fast forwarding a little bit through your career, I know you were freelancing at Bleacher, ESPN, SI. You talked about your path a little bit. How did you get from high school sports to then landing that big piece you did on on LaMelo Ball when you went to Lithuania? 
kind of a weird windy journey, but I wouldn't change it at this point. So essentially, I was still staff at the register. I was a basketball coach in my spare time. I was not making a lot of money. I was trying to like make money and freelancing was part of that money making. And so I was pitching to a lot of places to try to get an opportunity and Grantland was still around at that time. And I had pitched something to them and they turned it down, but they said, Hey, maybe ESPN would like this. And they gave me an ESPN email. So I sent the pitch to ESPN and they turned it down, (laughs) which was devastating, but I had an email address, which was gold. And so I just kept pitching and pitching. And so that ended up me writing for them for several years. And at the same time, so I was doing that on the side in addition to being staff at the register. So I was writing 24 seven or in my car, stressing, going to some basketball practice, driving a van of high school children, uh, writing my articles late at night. And then with Bleacher, they started BR Mag around 2016. And that was my third year at the register. And uh, I was up for a job and I did not get it, but they let me freelance and I would come up with ideas. So I would just write for them while I was at the register and I was hoping and hoping and praying somebody would hire me full time, but it just was not happening. But I was like, okay, well, this is so cool. It's like a double life. You know, on the weekends I travel for Bleacher ESPN during the week, I'm doing my register stuff. And then finally, um, we had layoffs at the register in 2017 and I lost my job you know it was just really hard because I thought well my career is over like I'm never gonna get hired look I've been writing for these two places and neither of them want to hire me and I don't know if that's true I think they wanted to it's just it's not a matter of like wanting to it just nothing was coming up or open Finally, that was the push that changed my whole life. It ended up being the greatest thing that could ever happen to me because Bleacher was like, do you want to go to Lithuania? To your question now. So I was like, "Uh, yes, of course I want to go to Lithuania. And it was just like the mother of all tryouts. So I did that and I came back and I got hired finally. So it's been three years. So wow. It's when I look back, I'm like, how did I even go to Lithuania? That's crazy that they gave me that opportunity, but I'm so thankful. That's amazing. That I think is something that a lot of people that are young in the industry or even someone like myself loves to hear that, you know, grinding pays off. You know, now you got that gig, right? You became a national featured writer. Is that the moment where you were like, yes, I made it? I Well, thanks for saying all that. I don't know if I've had like a, you know, I've made it type of feeling because I think in my head, it's always like every day I think oh, I have to make it all over again. Like sure. that's how I view it. It's like, you know, I, I never feel like I'm safe. And I think part of that comes from basketball where you are just always, always working. And the second that you feel like comfortable, it could all fall apart. And I think that's helped me. I need to do a better job of like celebrating wins and and joys. But I do think that was a very big moment. The Lithuania thing, it was really funny. Like all the writers I admire would be like that day that it came out, it'd be like, so-and-so followed you back, followed you back, followed you back. And I was like, they know who I am. You know, it was such a moment where it's like, oh my God, you know, more people than my mom are reading my stories. (laughs) Yeah. My mom or, or the grandfather of the high schooler that I'm covering, you know, so it was a really awesome moment that I'm so grateful for. Oh, that's amazing. Or the people that you like your friends where you like send your link in the WhatsApp, uh, <laughs> kind of drop it and be like, hope that they actually read it. Right. Yeah. I'm still hoping. I'm still <laughs> hoping. I'm like, guys, what are you doing? We're in the Rona. Read my articles. Yeah. <laughs> um, but looking back on it, you know, what was the one person that helped you along the way or that was kind of the tipping point for you? You know, um, 
first of all, Christina Tapper gave me the job. So the, the victory belongs to her. Like she, you know, we were the women there and she gave me that chance, which is incredible. But I think it's interesting because I've never identified this other thing as being so instrumental. But now that you say that, it, it's got me thinking. So I profiled Lonzo Ball like four months before Lithuania. I had just lost my job at OC and they said, do you want to profile Lonzo? And you have to remember back then Lonzo was a rookie. It was the biggest story you could have. And it was like this moment of hope. You know, I have been praying like, give me a sign that it's going to be okay. And Lonzo was my sign. And um, the funny thing is about two weeks into the reporting process, like his agent is like, we're not going to participate in this. Um, No access. And Bleacher was literally midway through my cancel fee, like issuing my check. So it was over and it was the most crushing thing. It was like, I had this hope and glimmer of opportunity, you know, when I thought my career was over and then it was gone. And then Christina, the amazing woman that she is, was like, wait, didn't you say you already interviewed 15 people for this? And I was like, yes. And I have five more coming, you know, I'll be be interviewing 20 to 25 people. She's like, you know what? Let's just stick with it. Let's just stick with it. We don't need him. We'll, we'll do a different way. We'll just do, you know, you've done so much interviewing. And I think that was the moment of them trusting me and just saying like, okay, she's got this. Like, okay, she didn't get Lonzo, but she got, you know, the, the best friend from seventh grade. She got the person over here, you know, just random people. And I reported the heck out of that. And it was my first Lakers media day. And it was just like, like seeing Ramona Shelburne and like just getting in there and, you know, boxing out people to get to the front of the scrum. It, I think that was the moment for me where I knew that like, okay, I could do this. I'm going to be here. I don't know what the heck is going on with my employment, but I have a shot. And that was the moment that started everything, I think, because when that came out, it was like, oh, like she can write about men because I had been writing for ESPNW. And I think because people did not see my OC register articles where I did Cal State Fullerton baseball and men, they just assumed I only wrote about women, which was not true. So I think the Lonzo thing was also like, okay, like she can cover the NBA. So that was a great moment. Thank God that they didn't give me my cancel fee. It was literally (laughs) en route, like to the bank and then they canceled it. (laughs) That's a great story. I I think, (laughs) you know, all of us are looking for signs sometimes and uh, try to replay things and, and go back and be like, you know, is this something that I should be doing? Is this for me? And yes. uh, so that's an amazing story. Uh, well, I'm glad I didn't cancel you because you are an amazing writer. I, I love your profile. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. You, are, you deserve it. Um, what is your favorite part about being a writer? You know, and everyone has their own likes or dislikes. What's your favorite part? I've been thinking about this a lot and I know nobody agrees with me because a lot of people are like, Oh, I hate writing. I love having written. I freaking love writing. Like I'm that weird person. Like I'm trying to describe why I love it. And it's something it's hard to describe in the same way I ask athletes, why do you love basketball? And somehow they just never know what to say. It's just (laughs) this thing that they feel inside. It's like almost part of their essence. And that is what writing is to me. Like, when I complete what I think is like a true paragraph and I say true and not good because I don't ever finish a paragraph. I'm like, Ooh, fire. You know, like I, (laughs) it's more just, it sounds true and accurate and real. That's, that's what feels good to me. I just feel so alive when I'm writing, you know, it's like the one space that I have that it's like, it just produces every emotion in me. And when I finish one of those paragraphs, I just feel so like empowered and alive. And most of writing is also a slog where nothing is going right and it all feels terrible. But I do think like when the moment clicks and it blossoms and this thing that 
you know, started out as nothing turns into a fully formed thing. It's beautiful. And I love that. What's your typical day like? And, you know, this could possibly be a lot different right now, <laughs> the times that we're living in. And uh, so just like pre-virus or now or just in, in general? Totally different. Pre-virus, I woke up to this feeling of rush and it's like, oh my God, I have to do all these things. How am I going to get there? I'm late, even though I don't have an office because bleachers in New York and San Francisco, my office is my coffee shop. But in you yeah. know, that, that basketball player in me is like, you're late, you're late. <laughs> and, um, you know, but anyways, pre-rona, I, pre-corona, I should say, I don't want to trivialize it. Um, it's just, it makes me laugh to call it the rona because it's so horrible. And, it, yeah. you know, you're trying to find joy wherever you can. And so pre-corona, I would wake up and I think my mornings were spent uh, writing. Like I'm best in the, I'm a morning writer. I I just like to wake up and, and crank it out. And then I think the afternoons were like transcribing or reporting, calling people, doing that. Or like I'd be on the road a lot, like traveling a lot for stories. So I would probably say I was on flights like two, three times a month, mostly two for a couple of days at a time. So it's so different for me. Like some days I'll be like randomly in Kentucky and like, I'll forget to tell my friend I'm in Kentucky. And then I just send like a a thing in Kentucky and they're like, you're in Kentucky. What the hell? Or I'll just be here. And it's like a really heavy reporting day where I have eight interviews and I got to grind because this is due in four days and you know, we're switching all priorities to this. So I think I like that every day is different and it's not like this thing that is constant. It's, you know, it's working different aspects of your mind. Like, I work on like three features at one time. So if I'm writing one, I'm definitely reporting the other and transcribing the third. And then just constantly coming up with ideas. I'll spend like an hour each day just digging through local news to try to find articles because I know from working in local news, that's where the stories are at. So I will look at the local papers in Georgia and Louisiana and San Francisco and just what's going on, Cleveland, what's going on in all these places. Now, during the corona, I wake up and I try to wake up at the same hour, like very early in the morning, like 6, 6.30, make breakfast. There isn't this rush of like, oh, I have to get it together together, get dressed, like get ready, get out of the house. It's, it's been good for me to have a more peaceful start to my day that it doesn't feel like I'm, you know, an hour away from being late or rushing. And now I'm just doing so many phone calls. I'm also writing my first book, which is exciting. Wow. I have it. Yeah. So I'm going to announce that in a couple of months, but this has been a blessing in disguise. So I can just call people from my home, you know, versus when I was in the coffee shops, I couldn't really do that. So yeah. I think it's just a mixture of just sitting here, being grounded, reporting, 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 calling people. But this month has flown. I don't know about you, but it's, it's a lot better than last month. So. <laughs> yeah, it, it flies by. I have two young daughters at home, so it's always every day is an adventure. Yeah. Like I was kind of telling you offline, I'm, I'm trying to make the best of it and just appreciate the time I have with them. And uh, I was, I don't know when I'm going to get this ability again, right? Like someone sent something on WhatsApp where it was like, you only get like 13 summers with your kids right. um, where they stop hanging out with you. Right. And that's life. Like right. you know, we all did the same thing. We hang out with our friends, go to college. So it is a lot more relaxing in a way. Uh, we don't have that constant stress of like going to a meeting, commuting somewhere, right. going here, going there. So mentally I th- I'm in a good place. It's, it's helped me, but definitely can't wait until it's over. Right. You know? <laughs> I know. 
Well, cause I'm in isolation, you know, I, I don't yeah. have like a partner or family. So it's like, it's just me and, and me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I going a little crazy in that regard, but yeah. I definitely take a lot of walks just to like see other humans, you know, even though I don't know them, it's just nice to like a person. <laughs> definitely. And I feel like a lot of people's escapes are gone right now, right? Like for yeah. me, it's always been sports. So I understand where you're coming from and I don't, completely feel it but I, I know it yeah. makes so advice I want to ask you a couple of quick advice questions like any advice to someone who's really trying to make it out there as a writer I think I think the biggest thing is just realizing you know careers are not built over one summer like I think I had this idea in my head um, when I was like 18, 19, that like, I needed to be at Sports Illustrated tomorrow, or better yet, yesterday, you know, I needed to be at Bleacher and ESPN. And, and the truth is, is like, you're probably not ready for it. And so, you know, the reason why it happened for me five years, six years later is because I took the time and I put in the work and I got there gradually. I think you'll appreciate it more if it takes more time and you earn it, you're gonna, the joy will stick harder if it wasn't given super quickly and I think it's it's okay for an, it to not happen super quickly a lot of times it doesn't happen for a decade you know yeah. or at all and so it's just like I just think the biggest advice I could have is just be patient you know your first job is just that it's a first job it's like getting used to waking up at a certain time reporting to a person you might not like giving <laughs> it your all doing things you don't like to do going home, learning how to balance, like you have time to build a career and building a career, you're going to have to take jobs. And, you know, if you're fortunate enough to have one of those jobs or two of those jobs be interesting or cool, or that's a blessing, but there's a misconception that you just wake up and your dream happens and it's not it. It just takes a really long time, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that it can't happen. It can, it just, everyone's journey is different. So you have to just embrace whatever yours is. I think the older that I've gotten, I, I understand that a little bit more. Another piece of advice I'd love to hear from you is because talking about like Twitter and social media in general, how do you deal with like subtweets, right? Like, or like hate mail or coaches like quoting you and, and you know, like trashing your article, something that you've just put all your heart into. Yeah, it hurts. I think the first thing is just, it's okay that it hurts you. Like you're a human. Like I think there's this there's just this feeling like, oh, it shouldn't hurt. I should just dust it off. I shouldn't have feelings. I, you know, la la la. But it's like, come on, like, this is painful. Like you, you're, they're trashing you. This hurts. Um, so I think it's first, it's just acknowledging like, of course you're upset. I think the second thing is it's going to happen. So, you know, you just hope it, it doesn't happen frequently. It just, yeah. you're going to have these moments where people don't like what you said, or they don't understand what you said, or they just don't like you. Maybe you're, you know, they, they're, they don't like you for whatever reason. And I think it's just like something my uncle said to me really helps me through this. He's like, you know, the only opinion that matters is your own. So when they're praising you, you can't get caught in that. When they're criticizing you, you can't get caught in that. Like for me, it's like really thinking like whose opinion of me matters. It's like my family. I'm very close to my family, my uncle, my parents, you know, my editors, like they know me, they respect me, but you know, it's taken me some time to realize like the stranger over the internet who's calling me really mean things like doesn't know me. And it just doesn't matter because they're just not for me. And also some people that are praising me and then talk about me behind my back, like that hurts too. Cause you know, yeah. people send you things and you're like, Whoa, I thought that person was like, 
they said they were like my fan and now they're saying like that's so awful but so I think you just like if you focus on the work and you focus on what we talked about like how does writing make you feel that just doesn't it it washes away the other stuff you're not focused on what other people are thinking like you're not writing to get something from other people you're writing because this makes you feel alive and happy and you need this and that's really how I get through that that's terrific advice. Thank you. I, I needed that. I, I'm, I'm still learning. The internet is a crazy place. Just, to, <laughs> you know, I see things that people write to me or things that people actually write to like people like yourself or other people and sports fans and yeah. we all know are, are over the top and looking at some of your work, the first piece of yours that I read was definitely the Ali Reisman piece. You know, it, it really moved me. I've also loved a couple of your pieces. The, the new one, about Sabrina, Gigi, Kobe. Obviously, it, it was tough to read, inspirational at the same time. Today would have been Gigi's birthday, right? So uh, it, it's tough to like talk about it. How much of an impact have they kind of had on your life in general? Because you're in California. So, you know, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I, um, I had a lot of, this sounds creepy, but I had a lot of like dreams about Gigi, like after it happened, I just kept seeing her. And I don't know if that's because like, I just felt a connection with her knowing what it felt like to be a young girl in love with basketball because I think as you remember that story started that was written from a place in my heart of just understanding what a specific love that was for a girl at that time because I had that and I think that I just I just kept thinking about Gigi and it's like everyone wanted to know like was she good enough to be in the WNBA could she have been this could she I wasn't really thinking about potential lost. I was thinking about like happiness and joy lost. Like I feel so bad that she didn't get to continue loving this game or living her life with her family and friends, you know, like that still haunts me, you know, and it's just, it's so painful to think about, you know, but I think that story really moved me in a lot of ways. I cried writing it. Um, I think if you're not emotionally connected to your subjects, what are you doing? You know, like I yeah. think you you need that. Sabrina's interesting because she's so um, she's so hard on herself, and I think that's so relatable to all of us as writers and athletes. And I don't know. I same with Allie. Like Allie, to be a gymnast, like you have to demand perfection from yourself. And you learn to do that at age five and six and seven. And I think with girls, you know, there's a tendency to only write about them when they score 50 points. You know, they have to be almost exceptional to be worthy of profile treatment. And for me, one of the great joys of my career has been covering women and showing it's not necessarily about them winning. It's about them struggling. Like, what is it like to be a six-year-old gymnast learning she has to be perfect like Allie? What is it like to be staying up all night like Sabrina because she's so afraid of failing the next day? She's literally an insomniac up till 4 a.m. And everyone just thinks her life is great because she's winning awards. Yeah. Gigi, she's... 12 years old trying to have the world on her shoulders and these men keep looking at her and saying things to her during the game and she has to laugh like it doesn't bother her. For me, whether I'm profiling a man or a woman, a girl or a boy, the most interesting thing, it's, it's what's happening in the head and the heart, not the body, the physical. So with those three pieces that you mentioned, it just, it took me on a journey. Like how fascinating are these girls, these women? 
I, I love that you put your heart into your work. And the next one is the Lamelo Ball piece. That's probably one of my favorite pieces that the profile you did on him. Let's talk about him a little bit, especially with the draft coming up or hopefully coming up. And so we'll, we'll talk about his game a little bit, but I wanted to talk to you real quick about how you put the piece together without actually getting a quote from him. Yeah, it was really hard um, because, you know, I didn't have a translator. We were in Lithuania and you don't even speak the language. You know, you had just lost your job. You're trying to like gain a job. You know, you need to deliver. This is like they invested money in you, a lowly freelancer. Like you have to do this. So first of all, there's just so much pressure. And then, you know, second, it's I thought I was going to get access to him. That's why they sent me over there. And then on day three, LeVar was like, actually, no. And so, you know, you have to be scrappy and creative. So I knew that there was only one gym in the whole town. (laughs) So I was like, okay, they have to go to practice at some point, right? Like it's, there has to be a practice. So I just went, I drove to the gym and um, the door was open. It was like a miracle. And uh, I was just sitting in the gym waiting for them to come in. And all of a sudden they come in with their, you know, reality show cameras and these like Lithuanian men. I don't know if they're police or like security for the gym. They're just like, who are you? Like, why are you here? (laughs) And I told them I was a journalist. I was honest, but you know, they definitely just did not take me seriously. They didn't think I was a threat. They're like a little short woman, American, like whatever. Like she's not, (laughs) Like she's not a threat. So I just convinced them to let me stay. And I kept coming back day after day. So I had a front row seat to LaMelo for a month, literally almost like pretty much a little over three weeks. And I would just sit there and I would watch him and I would talk to everyone around him. And so that just taught me a major lesson about reporting, you know, like sometimes your most important interview is not with the subject. Like you could write a profile about someone without talking to them and it's not ideal, but you can reveal things about them. And instead of looking at it as a write around, which is what I originally saw it as, I started to learn that that's just reporting. You know, yeah. that that's just reporting. And the year after, so last year I would follow him to Australia and I did get to talk with him for two weeks. And so I think building that rapport of just showing up three weeks the year prior, he knew who I was. He saw me, even though we didn't talk, like we were there every single day in the breakfast room, all these things. And, you know, so finally getting to talk for like two weeks in Australia, it's like we knew each other. And, you know, to your point about like, what's he like and all those things. I mean, he's so thoughtful. I think people don't realize that because they have a certain view of him because he's last in line. He's part of this, you know, very loud family, but he's very humble. He's very, um, he's funny. He's, he's not immature. He's just not mature. He's a child and um, he's a big kid, but he has a good heart, I think. And he's very determined. He's, uh, he's coachable. I've never seen him lash out a coach and lash out at his coach. Sorry. It's very early. It's eight 38 AM. And, uh, he's never talked back to any of the coaches. I've gone to all his practices in like a two month span, two different countries. He's never talked back. He's never given attitude no matter how miserable he is inside. So I, I think he would be very coachable at the next level. That's why I'm excited to see him to see him make it, you know, everyone, yourself, you've seen him, you've spent time with him, everyone else that has all say the same thing about him and personality and those kind of traits are really big if you want to make it eventually as a star, right? So talking basketball a little bit, like real quick, strength or weakness, you know, it could just be like one thing that you've seen. 
the, I mean, the court vision is insane. And it's not just like, oh, I see the pass before others do. It's I'm going 100 miles an hour and, and boom, I'm making the pass. It's, it's one thing to be smart. It's another thing to be smart on the move. And I think that's his biggest strength is just it's the vision while going full speed, which is really, really hard to do. Um, so he's just great at that. Um, weakness, definitely his shooting. I mean, just a number. Well, shooting and defense. Most kids that age, like, don't play defense. So it's not, yeah. you know, that's not earth shattering. But I do think, like, he has to show that he can hit that jumper reliably, consistently. Um, but he's working on it. He shoots, like, hundreds every day. So I think it's not just, like, the shot and the form, which he has really worked to improve to go less out, like, I'm chucking it, and more, like, up. So he would rush things when he was younger. He would just pull from half court, and now he's really learning to, like, what it means to start an offense, which means I have to get mine in the flow of things. So let me just spot up instead of, like, oh, I have to score. Let me just force it, you know, which is, again, letting the game come to you is, like, not something – a lot of 18 year olds can do well, but I think he's learning and I think he's got a lot of upside. Yeah. His, all the tools are there. His ceiling is really high and and I'm excited. I'm a big fan of his game as well. I think you yeah. nailed, you nailed his strengths and weaknesses. That's how I see it. Just from everything that I've seen, just watching him since high school. And so I'm super excited to see him play once things get back. Uh, <laughs> wrapping this up, you know, talk to me a little bit about a couple of things you have coming up. You talked about a book, which is amazing. I don't know if you can talk about it. If not, don't stress. The Big Scribble, I know it's a writing contest for aspiring high school and college journalists, you know, whatever you want to talk about. Well, I think in the most immediate, I have a new feature coming next Tuesday. Really, I'm really excited. I hope you guys like it. Um, it deals with Mother's Day in a bit. So I think it will uplift um, instead of just everything being such a downer. So yes. I hope that it gives like the theme is like family. So that's good. The book, I can't say anything yet. Um, unfortunately, um, we've decided to announce um, when the pre-order link comes available. So okay. hope to God I can do this and then we can have that conversation. Okay. Great. Um, but I'm, I'm thrilled. Um, I've always wanted to be uh, an author. That's been my lifelong dream. So super hard at work on that. Big Scribble. Oh, it's been so awesome. Like just seeing all these kids being so passionate about writing. It's this contest by uh, Jeff Perlman and Jonathan Eagan. and it's, it's awesome. You get to like write different topics and it's for high schoolers and college journalists, which is rare because normally it's just college and normally there's an entry fee and all this ridiculousness, but there's no entry fee and we've got a lot of representation from different colleges, which has been so encouraging. It's not just, you know, the people that go to journalism schools because I didn't, my school didn't have journalism. Yeah. And um, it's been awesome seeing how passionate these kids are because I think a lot of the time I think, oh, like kids only want to go into TV and it's, it's just not the case. There are kids that are in love with long form. They're just like, well, how do I do this? So I think this is a great contest to give kids an opportunity for like prizes that can actually help them mentorship sessions with, you know, top editors and writers and just dialogue between us. So I think that you can actually like use this to better your career, which is what we all would hope for. Um, so that's awesome. What else is new? I don't know. If you guys can think of things to write about, let me know because okay. uh, we're reaching that point where we can no longer write about my season was lost to Corona. And, <laughs> yeah. um, so I need some, some fresh angles. All right. I'll try to hit you up with some. <laughs> hit me up and, with uh, some. Before I always wrap up, I like to do a fun little rapid fire Q&A with my guests. Okay. I'm ready. I'm game. I'm ready. All right. Favorite NBA team growing up and now? Oh, Lakers. Easy. Favorite NBA player of all time? Kobe. 
Uh, greatest <laughs> NBA player of all time. Oh, God. How are we supposed <sighs> I'm not just saying MJ because the last dance, but that's my gut. That's what comes to mind. Obviously there were, you know, Will and all, you know, magic there, there could be an argument for a lot of people, but that's just what came to mind. Okay. Perfect. Nobody I like hate you. me. Nobody hate me. Nobody come at me. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to deal with like the argument. Thank you for Jordan. <laughs> Chicago or New York pizza. That's, that's a big one. Huh? Well, I like Chicago. My, my best friend, one of my best friends is in law school there. So I like Chicago pizza and I have family there too. So, okay, nice. Have you tried like all three different kinds, like deep dish stuffed tavern style, or do you have like a one you remember? Uh, I mean, probably deep dish, obviously. It's been a while since I've had pizza, to be honest with you, <laughs> because pizza and like Dunkin' Donuts is like usually my airport like staple. And I haven't yeah. been on a plane in a minute. Yeah. Um, so like actual good pizza at local places in New York and Chicago. It's been a while. Thank you so much for your time. I know how busy you are. So I really appreciate it. It was a blast talking to you. I've learned a lot. I hope some of the listeners have, you know, I hope when the NBA resumes, all of this <laughs> stuff is over, we can meet up one day and uh, yes. definitely let me know about the book or I'll see it on, on Twitter. Yes. Right? We'll post about it. I'll keep you posted. And I really appreciate you having me on. That was so fun. And now I want pizza. Thank All you. Right. I can't, I can't make pizza. So great. Now I'm just gonna, <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't have it for breakfast. So maybe yeah. order some for dinner or something. I will. All right. Well, stay safe. Nice talking to you. You too. My thanks again to Mirren Fader for joining me today. You can find her at Mirren Fader on Twitter and her amazing work at Bleacher Report. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to give us a like or a follow and please share the word with your friends. You can check out our social media pages on Twitter and Instagram at Victory Lab Podcast. Last but not least, you can follow my work at DocSquad33 on Twitter and VicChoxy33 on Instagram. This is your host, Vic Choxy, and I'll see you next time on Victory Lab.